If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rountree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Hello to you. We are here with Jane Webster of Chateau Bosque. Jane, of course, was able to achieve her dreams and buy this beautiful French chateau. We'll hear about that very soon. You may remember Jane has actually been uh, on Journeys to Come many times. We've been talking about the beautiful, the beautiful chateau and her life in France. We actually took you to the chateau as well. But what we're chatting about today is Jane's brand new book, which is called French House Chic, which has a Beautiful glow to it. I've got to be careful how I show you. So Jane has joined us here at the farm. I quite like bringing people out to the farm and having you join us here on the farm as well. Tell us a little bit about your new book. Well, French House Chic is um, very much a sequel to French Ties and At My French Table. The journey continues, but it's different this time because it's not a recipe book. It's actually a book um, that peeks into some beautiful chateaus and um, country houses of my friends in France and um, gives people a little bit of a, a dipping pot or um, a, a way to delve into uh, how they could perhaps uh, bring a little bit of Frenchness to their own homes. What I'm fascinated by is normally with these chateaus, you might see them from the outside or you see them up, up on a hill in the distance. It's always cloaked in mystery. Mm. How did you gain access into these extraordinary homes? Oh, look, we were incredibly lucky when we bought Bosque. Um, the very first day that we were there, we were about to um, sleep for the first time. Uh, Alex, who our youngest, who was three at the time, was tugging on my trousers and she said, Mummy, there's a very old man coming up the driveway. And um, and in fact, there was a very old man coming up the driveway. Um, his name was is John Wolfe. And he'd been living in France for 43 years. And um, we were incredibly lucky in that he... Uh, had us invited to every party, dinner party, cocktail party, picnic on the lawn. Sounds like my kind of friend. Yeah. Anything that was on in any chateau in our region, he had us invited to. How come? And How come? He was just, he is just an incredibly hospitable, um, generous human being. And uh, he does this every time he hears that someone new has bought a property. And he's in, he's in fact passed the baton on to my husband. He mm. said, you know, Peter, I did it for you now. You've got to do it for others. Sorry about the accent. <laughs> my husband always says don't, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> Are there do's and don'ts in regards to etiquette? This is what I'm curious about. Mm. I mean... You always wonder when you go into somebody else's home, um, I don't want to offend, um, what kind of a, a gift do I take? But when, you are, when you're asking to go within someone's home and share that private space with, mm -hmm. with the rest of the world, what are certain things that, that you do have to keep in mind with the French in particular? Well, funnily enough, 
years ago, um, my sister and brother-in-law were living in Paris and my brother-in-law said to Pete and I, we're going to go for a, a, to a dinner in, in the 16th with a colleague of mine from the bank. And I said, oh, that's really nice. And my parents were over with us at the time. And then my sister went into um, organisational mode of what we could and we couldn't do. And um, she put me onto flowers and my mum onto chocolates and um, explained very quickly because my husband said, well, you know, why don't we take a couple of lovely bottles of wine? She yeah. said, no, no, you can't do that. They take that as an insult, as if they, ha they haven't got the knowledge to be able to match the wine to the menu. Um, Pete ignored that and took a really beautiful bottle of uh, Australian red that he had bought from Australia and wrapped it as a gift. And it was appreciated in that respect. Yes. He said, pop it in your cellar and have it um, another day. Um, the flowers had to be arranged and already in water or able to be popped straight into water. To save time? Yeah, it, it's incredibly rude apparently to take a floral arrangement that will take the hostess away from her away guests, from the guests right. and into the kitchen, scrambling for a vase, all that sort of... It makes a lot of sense, really. Mm. Think of all the times you've had to do it. So what is the perfect hostess gift? So um, the French typically would send flowers the next day oh. and they may come with beautiful chocolates um, or they'll come with flowers. We actually arrived with flowers already arranged and we took them in a little, um, beautiful little vase that we bought from the market. So she was able to just pop them straight on the sideboard in the dining room. Um, my sister warned us not to use the facilities, oh, that the oh. dining room and the sitting room would be, you know, beautifully ready for guests, but that the bathroom wouldn't be. And I hate that because yeah. I always like to have a squiz at the yeah. bathroom and that's my excuse to yes. go and look at the house. Exactly. Yes, and I peek. Yeah, yeah. Well, not in a French house. Okay. Want more travel in your day? Well then, join us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. Well, I suppose it's a testament to your charm, the fact that you were given access to, to go into these beautiful homes. Who are the sort of people that own these magnificent places? I mean, we've heard your story, Jane, that you've been able to achieve your dream, and we'll have a chat about that after, but you were able to achieve an Aussie girl, Aussie family, going over to France. Who are the other characters that, that, that we will meet with French House Chic? Yes, each and every one, except for one couple, who are an Australian couple, uh, we met through John Wolfe and through those initial invitations that very first summer. So we've dined with all of them and over the years become, become are they, friends. Are they all French? No. There's, um, there's an English uh, and Brazilian couple. There's some French couples. There's an Australian couple. There's a couple who live uh, full-time in the Hamptons um, just out of New York. Um, so it's like the United Nations of Francophiles. It is, it is. Um, and then there's uh, quite a few French couples in Paris and Parisian apartments. So, so obviously it's it's a global dream for mm -hmm. many many people to um, to put that 
that dream into action to make it come to fruition and 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 buy an apartment or or in your case a, a chateau what's your advice to to others who who have that dream as well uh my advice is get over there do some research decide where you want to be first um when we were looking we um I'm an ex-primary school teacher, so I knew that the children didn't learn a lot in fourth term. There was a lot of, you know, Christmas chains being made and Christmas carols being sung. Um, So we decided to take the children out of school every fourth term and go over to France and and sort of travel the the length and the breadth of, of France and work out where, first of all, we would like to be. And that was... You took the time. We took the time. So, you know, we took five years to... To find Bosque. You took a lot of time. We took a lot of time. There was a lot of umming and ahhing. And I needed a little push because um, I am a, a homebody and I knew that I was going to have issues with homesickness and um, whether or not I'd be able to even get over the line to get me over there. Mm. Um, and luckily, Pete was um, probably more passionate about the whole thing than I was. Thank heavens for that. Thank how, heavens. How did your family cope with... with um with your passion or, or, or what, he's, what are you saying is that it actually was a, a family treat. You were all in on it. Yeah, we all were on, in on it. Um, we caught the children just in the nick of time. Lockie was 12 at the time, Millie was 11, Maddie was nine and Alex was three. So the 12 and the 11 year old, particularly Lockie, we had about a six-month window of opportunity. If we'd been six months later, I don't think it would have worked with him. Um, but everyone went enthusiastic. Um, the children were told, don't worry about anything. You'll go back to your schools when you get back to Australia. Just make friends and learn the language. So they just sort of embraced that as a an adventure. And, you know, as long as mum and dad were happy and they didn't yeah. say there was anything wrong with it, they went along with it. As long as you're happy, we'll be happy with you. Exactly. Many a great book, TV show, movie has been made about foreigners buying into to Tuscany, to Provence, mm. in, in your case, into the, into the Normandy region. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. We see these beautiful images of the Chateau, Chateau Bosque today. What was it like when you first went? Uh, look, the day we arrived, we settled in Paris and we went out to the Chateau with the key for the first time. And it took all six of us leaning against the doors to actually open the doors because thieves had been in and stolen every fireplace in the chateau. Just before you arrived? Two weeks before we arrived. So, you know, it was rubble up to my knees that first day on the reception level. You've been there. You imagine going through the front doors and having to, you know, we really had to lean all our weight against the front doors just to try and push all the rubble out of the way to open the doors. What are the elements of style? Look, I think, um, look, I'm a great believer. I'm not an interior designer, but I've done Bosque myself. And I'm a great believer in surrounding yourself by things that talk to you, that that make your heart sing, um, that you love. And also that that really um, show the personality of those people living in your house too. So, you know, I think about my husband, my son and my three daughters and try and decorate to show all our personalities and for it to suit all of us. 
And I think that's what the French do so beautifully. Um, the French way of, um, of making a home beautiful is not about a prescription and what's in fashion. So you don't see French interiors turn over after three years. You know, mm. oh, oh, well, that um, donkey-coloured couch is out of fashion now, therefore I must recover or, um, or get a new one. It's timeless. It's timeless. It's mm. really classic. Um, I always say, think about um, blue and white ginger jars. Have they ever gone out of fashion? Mm. I don't think so. Or a beautiful um, French amour um, as a show-off piece in a room. That is never going to date. Mm. Um, a gorgeous French um, tassel in an ancient key sitting in a chest of drawers, you know, is something really simple you can do. And, um, you know, I always think it's funny um, to, to mention, but I think it really encapsulates the French, um, the classicism, if you like, and the weightedness of French interiors because... Do you know it takes seven years to become a tassel maker? I had no idea. I know, but you know, it takes less time to become a doctor. Yeah, yeah. But to become a tassel maker in France, in the Guild of Pasmentier, it's seven years. And that I think is incredible. But I think I'll it never really look at another tassel in the same way. Well, again. you only get must, but you must only get French tassels. Okay. Because there's Nasty little tassels that come in from factories all over the world that have Where been made. French tassel? In France, um, you and in the back of the book, you'll find a, a lovely little shopping guide. You've thought and, of everything. Mm, and uh, you can find them there, but also ancient ones at the Pucers in, in the Paris flea mm -hmm. markets um, is a good place to buy them as well. While you're listening, why not add some travel to your inbox? Sign up for my weekly travel updates at journeystocome.com. You know when you have a, a coffee table book and you, this, my husband says he knows he's in trouble when I pat the pages of the book. <laughs> I, will, I will literally pat the page of the book. And the, the image is so beautiful that the image alone is enough to inspire uh, a, a room or mm. in the corner of your own home. Yes. What was it like actually putting the book together? Because I, I think that a lot of people think that they can put a book together, but for this, how challenging was it? Uh, look, it was, it was um, challenging in that I was moving away from um, the cookbook. Um, so that was challenging. And, and, I, and it was challenging in that I didn't want anyone to think that, I thought that I was some sort of interior design guru mm. because I'm not. And um, hats off to interior designers and, and the wonderful work they do. I think the best ones are the ones that get to know their clients really well and um, make sure that that personality is shining through. I don't want to see the interior designer's book from you either. I want to know about the friendships that you have. I want to go, I, I want that behind the scenes look. You've got the inside tip, so I don't need the interior designer formal opinion. Mm. I mm. love the fact that these are my friends, come with me. Yeah. That sort of feel. So the, the book ha has that level in it. It also has um, a little bit of history and a, like the, the tassel makers and the mm. guilds and, and that sort of thing. And then it's also part memoir because I grew up in a in a household of antique dealers. So um, 
this, as I got into it, actually unfolded that I actually did know some stuff because that's what I'd grown up in. You know, the auctions and the flea markets and and the markets in London and Paris and um, all the auction rooms in, all over Victor country Victoria. And um, so it, it start, as it unfolded, it started to feel more natural and as if I, um, you know, it was something that I could talk about. At the moment, you're, you're here in Australia and you're promoting the launch of the book and, mm -hmm. and I'll ask you about some of the locations in a sec, but I know that uh, you'll be returning back to Shadow Bosque soon. What do you miss when you're gone? Uh, look, I miss my garden over there. I miss the, the potager. Mm. Um, I love pulling, you know, fresh vegetables out of the earth and taking them inside and, and cooking. Um, uh, I love the, the farmer's markets. But look, we have great markets here as well. But I love that sort of a banter at the market and using my French, mm. even, even when my French is really bad. Um, or I'm forgetting my, you know, verb endings and my tenses. I still love to be over there using that because um, I, you know, it's challenging, but it's also so rewarding when you actually get the right things in your basket or the right meal arrives in a restaurant. Before moving uh, to the chateau, could you speak French fluently? To to me, I think you can speak it fluently. Um, it sounds like you can to me. Or did uh, you, no, did you no, learn no. it on the whole? Oh no. Um, I had schoolgirl French, very basic schoolgirl French. I probably knew the vocab for most things, mm. um, but in terms of putting it together, I was hopeless. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyone can do it. Well, exactly. Anyone can do it. Actually, one of the best tips my sister gave me, because she was living in Paris um, way before I was, was to every evening work out what you're doing the next day write a little list for yourself of the vocab that you will need and just two phrases that you could use in most situations mm -hmm. and um that was incredibly it helpful it really got me through and it got paid through too i mean there's a there's a, a a big equivalent to bunnings over there you know that most boys like their bunnings oh, yeah, experiences yeah. um and it's called uh, Liro Milan. And uh, it's it's Bunnings basically on steroids, and um, with a French twist. With a French twist, and Pete goes there with his list um, for nuts and bolts and screws and you know hammers and drills and. Does he wear high vis or stripes no. for better service? No, 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 no high vis needed. Okay, that just no. happens back here in yeah. Australia. Yeah. Travel is often best shared with friends and family. So please share this podcast with your travel companions and make sure you subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you collect your podcasts. Well, you must look out for, for French House Chic. I think it is, I already have a bunch of people that know they want this under their Christmas tree, mm. please. But I think also the appeal, Jane, of, of your story and, and furthermore, chatting to you, and looking at these books, is there really is an element that that you are um, uh, obviously a very talented uh, Aussie girl, but you've managed to turn your dream into a reality. So I do just have to ask you this as my last question. What is your advice to those, regardless of whatever their dreams are? How do you actually, I mean, yours is a pretty grand dream, but you've done it. How do you take that next step? What's your advice to those who have that passion? When we, when we were first looking at the chateau and Pete said to me, um, 
can you think of anything that we could do with this place? I know you want to go over there with the children and you want to live there for two years and you want them to learn the language. I know all of that. But he said, is there something that you can think that we could do with it? Because it's a big financial commitment and, you know, we can't just leave it there empty um, and not do anything with it each year. And someone had once told me that in order to be truly fulfilled and doing what you should be doing as an adult, that you should go back to your earliest memories as a child and think what, what did you do in your earliest memories that you remember um, that gave you joy and you were obviously passionate about. So being the ex-school teacher, I got the butcher's paper out and textures and I sat on the floor and I had doll. I was back in my mother's dining room that never got used. I was making the beds for my dolls. I was out in the garden making little posies of flowers. I had my sister set up a shop and I would come along with a basket and buy the fruit and vegetables. Now that was, I was probably five when I was doing that. So I had all these things dotted up my little china tea set with the dolls having mm. tea parties. Um, and I had all of that on the butcher's paper and then all of a sudden it just occurred to me, oh, that's all hospitality, that's all food, um, wine, people related, not so much wine related, mm. obviously, but all, um, all a part of the hospital. All part of the experience. Yes. And um, then I just wrote in the middle at my French table. And that's how it, and I said to Pete, if I love doing this sort of thing, and if I visualize at night myself with a basket on my arm, walking through a French market, wearing a pretty blouse and filling my basket with you know, fresh produce. There must be other people that think like that. And there must be people that would love to come and live in a chateau for a week, but have the whole intimidation of the whole thing taken away. So they don't have to deal with a French madame that they don't understand. They don't have to feel any intimidation whatsoever. They can just come and live the dream. Mm -hmm. So my advice on making dreams come true, take the first step write a pros and cons list. Something when you write things down will pop out at you and give you, I think, some sort of hint on which road to take. And even if it's the tiniest little thing that you do next, that will lead on to something else, which will lead on to something else. And it might take a long time, but... Um, what does it matter if you finally get there in the end? And the journey is so much fun. Well, thank you so much for coming to the farm to have morning Absolute tea. pleasure. Morning tea out of the farm. And, yes. And we are the happy recipients of, of that childhood passion. Yes. Turning into uh, into these beautiful books and your beautiful Shadow Bosque. You can follow Jane, of course, on Instagram as well. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited, all the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com, for full details.